This is our first session now on Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Take note of the you here. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. According to the age of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, what I want to focus on in this session is why we should take seriously the you and the we here, and not simply Treat them as interchangeable. Father, a lot is going on here about Gentiles and Jews, and we want to discern the implications for our lives, especially as it relates to our union in a common sinful nature, and then in a common renewed new creation nature, and and in a common salvation through one spirit, one cross, one blood, one body to one God. Oh, these are great things, Father. Don't let us miss them, I pray, in Jesus' name. So, you may have read this many times thinking, oh, these are just basically alternative ways of talking about Christians, Jew and Gentile, who are all fallen. Maybe so, but Consider this. You get to chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not from works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So another you blending into we. And the we probably now including the you, maybe the we here includes the you, but not yet. It's going to when he says the rest of mankind. But hold on. Here's the next paragraph. Therefore, remember that at that time, you Gentiles in the flesh were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise made to the Jewish people, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you, you Gentiles, have who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Now he's got himself, a Jew, included with this Gentile redemption. He is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both 
have access in one spirit to the Father. You can't miss what he's doing here. He is saying that Jew and Gentile are both in his view, and he's making clear a difference. Jews were close. They were the covenant people. They had God's attention for years. Gentiles went their own way, and they were far away from the covenant and cut off from promises and alienated from God. But now the gospel is breaking the bounds of the covenant people of Israel, spilling over onto the nations. They are being through one Christ, one redemption, both reconciled. In other words, both were alienated from God. Both needed to be uh, redeemed by blood. Both needed to be united in one body. Both needed to be saved. So this is clear. Jew and Gentile are in view here in the common redemption. That is a common way of being redeemed by the blood of Christ is being emphasized here. Jews didn't come one way and Gentiles come another way. They both come the same way, namely through the blood of Christ. He becomes our peace. There's no way of peace for the Jews, no way of peace for the Gentiles. There's no way of reconciliation for the Jews and way of reconciliation for the Gentiles. We are both reconciled to God in the same way by the blood of Christ. Now, if that's the case, then probably I'm saying we should take seriously the, the, the you and the we here. And what would be the implications of it? Because notice, when he says we all once conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, we Jews, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So immediately, as soon as he draws attention to the fact that there's a difference between the you and the we, he turns around and makes us one. So that in a sense, the you here is emphasized in order to make clear that the we are part of the you. Does that make sense? Let me, let me say it another way. Why wouldn't Paul just start with we? Because it would be true, right? I mean, this, this deadness here, these trespasses, these sins, this walking according to the age of the world, this being in the bondage of the power, the, the, the prince of the power, the, the heir, all of that is true of the Jews as well, as we're going to see as he describes the plight of the Jews here. Why not just start and say, look, all of us human beings are sons of disobedience. All of us human beings are children of wrath. That's true. That's the point of this. But instead of saying it that way, he draws attention to the fact of the real plight of the Gentiles. And this has two effects at least. One is to say to any Jewish listener to this letter written mainly to Gentiles that, hey, I'm Paul, I'm a Jewish person, I know what you all think about the Gentile world and how they're terrible sinners. Well, guess what? You're right. They are. That's the point here. They are dead. They are trespassing and in sins. 
They are in the bondage to the spirit of the age. They are walking by the power of the devil. You're right. Those Gentiles are in big trouble. The fact that they are cut off from the promises is no relief. So that's a huge implication that it, that it has. But it also has this implication. In stressing the plight of the Gentiles and then turning around and saying, and we all once conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and our mind, were by nature just like them. So you see the impact. Instead of just saying, we're all in this together, Amy, we're all fallen, we're all corrupt, we're all in bondage to disobedience, we're all dead in trespasses, we're all being led around like a hook in the nose by the devil until something happens to us. He says, yes, Gentiles are not off the hook. They are sinful. They are dead. They do need redemption. They have to have a miracle of resurrection happen to them. And guess what, Jews, who are now shaking your head, yes, yes, that's true about the Gentiles. We too. Nobody is off the hook. So here's the beautiful thing of this when it comes to, say, race relations or uh, ethnic relations in the church. There are three horrible and beautiful statements of our unity. The first is right here. We are united in sin. We are united in deadness. We are united in being sons of disobedience. We are united in being children of wrath. You never looked at a person of another race or your own race that wasn't dead apart from Christ. Sons of disobedience, children of wrath. And then you turn here and you see, oh, the you also becomes a we in redemption. That we, Jew and Gentile, are his workmanship. We, Jew and Gentile, are new creatures in Christ. We, Jew and Gentile, have works prepared for us. So the new, the new person in Christ is Jew and Gentile. And then you get to this paragraph and you realize, and the way he did it for Gentile and Jew is by the blood of Christ. We have one Redeemer, one atonement. So the oneness is in our fallenness and our corruption and our bondage to sin. The oneness is in Jesus Christ, who poured out one blood for one reconciliation, and the oneness is in our new reality in Christ. So it's not just a simple, we're all created in the image of God, or even a simple, we're all saved by the blood of Jesus. Or even a simple, we're all new creatures in Christ. It is also, we're all dead in trespasses apart from that. There are so many glorious implications about how we relate to other people here. May the Lord give us grace to think it through and apply it in our relationships.